Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Ah, here we go on a Wednesday. It's The Marcus Warren Show, the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Wednesday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Wednesday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast. You can do that by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our Retirement Rescue Game Plan, which is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you're going to get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes and Retirement. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do I get my hands on that? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, Go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so, um, um, you know, here we are, um, middle of June. I I have a little tickle or something in my throat. I I was uh, a little under the weather, got back from a... uh, cruise okay yeah and i think i may have picked something up uh from being on that cruise you know you're on that boat trapped <laughs> with five thousand yeah. yeah. uh, or so other people five thousand i don't know however many it was Ooh, that's a lot and um you know you're trapped. bound to catch something right mm, um that's a lot of people was it fun though did you have fun you have a good time? yeah i had a good time yeah i had a good time good. i would uh i would recommend um you know going on a cruise to anyone, I think seven days is probably long enough. You don't want to go too too much longer. A um, few excursions, um, zip lining and stuff with the kids. Rode some dune buggies. Ooh, okay. Had a uh, had a had, had a pleasant experience, a pleasant time. But uh, um, of course, I if I sound odd, stuffy, or or congested, um, that's what it's from. It's being on that uh, that boat, touching. Everything that all those thousands of people were were touching. Mm. Now they did have these um, uh, hand sanitizer, like hand sanitizers, you know, yeah. kind of all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, but it, it. I wonder if they had those before COVID, enough. or if that was an I, after COVID I thing. I doubt it. Doubt oh, it I, yeah. I doubt it. Hmm. Um, yeah. Now they at least try to to you know be as as cleanse uh, what is it as clean as possible mm-hmm. and sanitary as possible. But um, you know you can't. Uh, Mitigate against everything, especially, like I said, when you're on a boat with thousands of people for um, days at a time. But I digress. Anyway, let's get into some uh, money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. All right. So, you know, with the uh, recent run up in the market, um, people have been uh, excited. Um, we are we have officially uh, entered into this bull market, and a bull market basically means when 
uh, the market is uh, moving up and it's 20% higher than it's low. And so far, uh, we are currently in this bull market. But last year, there was doom and gloom on the horizon because the market was down uh, a little over uh, 25 or so percent, um, the S&P. Um, and, you know, it had people uh, you know, concerned and, and, and especially retirees, um, you know, because when you have this volatility in the market, you know, a lot, a lot of retirees are they get confronted with, you know, how can they uh, grow their money productively, but then also safeguard against downturns in the market from which they might not recover. Um, you know, we've had uh, inflation in the past. You want to outdistance inflation. And you also want your assets to stretch over the life of your uh, retirement, right? Um, and, you know, how do you mitigate against uh, losing money at the wrong time? And a lot of you may be like, isn't every time, Marcus, the wrong time to lose money? Um, uh, kind of, but when you're close to retirement or you're in retirement, um, losing money at the wrong time uh, can be uh, even more detrimental. So um, really what I want to talk about is something I talk about in, in my workshops. The, I, I always contrast the old paradigm of whether it's taxes, the stock market, retirement, social security, whatever that is with the new paradigm. And that's what I want to do um, today. So, you know, when, when we look at the old paradigm as it relates to stock market investing, uh, the biggest one that generally comes uh, to mind is that if you leave your money in the market long enough, that eventually you'll come out on top, that the stock market, that it always vindicates itself. Um, and this paradigm suggests that, you know, that buy and hold strategy is a long-term strategy in retirement. And then, you know, we've been told that simply by uh, diversifying your investments uh, that you can protect against dramatic swings uh, in the market. Now, that's the, that, that's the old paradigm. Uh, the new paradigm and what we've all have kind of learned over the course of the last 10 years is that the stock market is a lot more unpredictable and volatile than ever. A buy and hold strategy may have worked in the past, but it can be fatal to your retirement strategies if your investments, like I said, if they fall at the wrong time. Um, and we also know that asset allocation is not, or diversification is not sufficient, is not sufficient enough to mitigate all of the different types of risk when you face investing in the stock market. And then, um, Lastly, if the stock market falls at the wrong time, it could force you to postpone retirement indefinitely. So think about this. Um, back in late 2007, you're working in your cubicle at whatever company you work for, and your plans were to retire in 2008. And so you have that big wall calendar in your cubicle you're marking off the days as it gets closer to 2008 and you're excited because you look at your 401k balance and it's looking real good and you're feeling real good about yourself. But then we all know what happened in 2008. The market got cut in half, right? The great recession, doom and gloom. And you picked up your retirement statement or you logged on to the computer 
And you looked at it, and it was uh, about half of what it was what you thought you were going to retire with. Now, you had a decision to make, right? Are you going to work longer, or do you just retire with less? Or let's just fast forward to 2020 and say you wanted to retire uh, at the beginning of 2020. And then, of course, we had the pandemic where the market was cut to down 30% in just 15 days. Scary. Had another decision to make. Now, uh, luckily, that one bounced back quickly. But at the time, there was probably panic in the air, right? So, you know, we, I always want to ask the question, um, you know, is your portfolio truly diversified? Because obviously in 2008, when the market went down, uh, most people lost, you know, close to half of their money at one point. And in uh, 2020, the pandemic, right, most people lost a lot uh, during that, uh, that quick blip. Everything went down. And so how could that happen if you have this diversified portfolio, if we supposedly have these uh, diversified investments? Well, because the market and investors, you just – have, you just hadn't protected yourself against all the investment risk that can lead to potential market losses. Now, when you invest in the stock market, there are two types of uh, risk that everyone faces. And understanding these risks will help you safeguard against them. Now, the first risk that we're going to talk about is called unsystematic risk. Right now, Investopedia, they defined unsystematic risk as the investment risk associated with investing in one single company. Now, what could possibly go wrong by putting all of your eggs in one basket and investing with one company? Hmm. Uh, can anyone say uh, NCI WorldCom, Enron, right? uh, Silicon Valley Bank? Hmm. Of course, no one wants to do that, right? A, um, a CEO uh, could retire or die like Steve Jobs did back in the day. You could have poor management. Products could flop. Um, but you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And so the way to mitigate against unsystematic risk is to not have all your eggs in one basket and diversify. Or a.k.a. what, what the, uh, the big wigs up in Wall Street, they call asset allocation, right? Um, Asset allocation is not having all your eggs in one basket. It's investing in a broad range of companies, in a broad range of sectors. So if any one of them fails, the others will buoy them up. So an example of asset allocation is um, having uh, some cash, having stocks, having bonds, Having mutual funds, um, and then you can allocate against um, manufacturing sectors, information sectors, transportation, service sectors, so forth and so on, but you get the picture. But my question is this. Is asset allocation enough? No, it's not enough. I'm answering that question for you. It's not enough. Why? Well, I just talked about 2008, right? Everything went down. Talked about 2020, everything went down. Heck, even last year, most people were down double digits, right? So if asset allocation isn't enough, then what's the issue? 
the issue is risk number two, investment risk number two that people don't think about. And that is what we're going to talk about when we get back from the break. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right, so um, here we are with some Andre 3000, or Outcast. Uh, the song is called Hey Ya. That's right. The song came out in 2003, 20 years ago. Okay, you're right. Mm-hmm. Number one in the U.S. Yeah. Number three in the U.K. Good song. Big hit. Um, I love the song. I love this music video. I remember yes. watching this when it came out. That's when music videos were in back in the day. Yeah. You know, when you could, now music videos. Music videos are kind of fun to watch. Old music videos, I don't even watch new music videos, but I know that, um, you know, we've been in uh, um, uh, you know, some uh, grill bars and pubs. Mm-hmm. They'll have old music videos playing in the background. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to see how corny oh, yeah. some of these old music videos yeah. were. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember, you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net, and you'll get a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, most importantly, tax rate risk. You've got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net to request your copy of the Retirement Rescue Game Plan. All right, so um, last segment, I was talking about uh, some of the risk uh, that uh, are out there uh, that threatens uh, your portfolios, your investments. Um, We were talking about the old paradigm of stock market investing, and we were also talking about some of the new paradigms of stock market investing. And we talked about not having all, all your eggs in one basket. That is called unsystematic risk. Um, obviously, no one wants to have all their eggs in one basket because if something goes wrong, then you can be wiped out. But they always tell us, they meaning Wall Street, the pundits on TV, diversify asset allocation. And so we spread our money out in mutual funds and ETFs and uh, different uh, sectors and then, of course, we have a 2008, and everything goes down, and st- people still lose half of their money. Uh, back in the pandemic, people uh, lost a good chunk of their money, and even last year, people lost uh, double digits, upwards of 20 25% of their investments. And so how is this when we're supposed to be diversified? Well, there is another investment risk that uh, uh, people uh, may or may not be aware of, and that is what is called systematic risk. And that is the risk that is inherent to the entire market or the, or the entire uh, economy. So what are some examples of uh, things that would cause the entire stock market to go down? Well, we can have um, uh, terrorism like 9-11. Uh, you can have a pandemic like we had recently, um, uh, a recession, a, depress, a, a, a depression. Um, you know, a lot of things can all of a sudden caused the market to go down fairly, fairly quickly. And um, so 
how can you mitigate against some of these things? Because because one because one of the things that, that that people don't think about is 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 you know how much these systemic events can have on a uh, on a portfolio. So think about this. So um, let's talk about um, the lost decade. And you may be asking yourself, Marcus, what is the lost decade? Well, I'm glad that you asked. The lost decade is 2000 through 2010. And like I talked about earlier, the old paradigm of investing is as long as you leave your money in the market, the market always uh, goes up. It's always going to correct itself. And, you know, generally speaking, yes, when you go back to the history of the stock market all the way till now, yes, the market generally does move in an upward trajectory. But what I'm talking about, especially when I talked about, I'll talk about um, um, retirees and people close to retirement, is the fact that it's all about when you need the money. It's all about if the market falls at the wrong time. And so generally speaking, um, if you can average 7% on your investments, then that basically means that your money will double every 10 years. So if you use just basic, basic math, say you have, um, say you have $500,000 in your retirement account and you want to get a 7% return. And so in 10 years, that $500,000 in your retirement account should be worth a million bucks. Not too bad. But now let's say this. Let's say that in the year 2000, you had $500,000 in your retirement account and you're 55. And you're like, you know what, I'm retired at 65. And as long as I can average around 7% for the next 10 years, I should be able to retire with about a million bucks, right? And that sounds like a good plan. Generally speaking, any uh, or most financial advisors will probably look at that and say, okay, that seems fairly uh, reasonable. Let's see what we can do and go from there. Now, unfortunately, what happened from 2000 to 2010 um, really hasn't happened too much in our history, right? It did happen in 72 to, to 82, um, or 83, uh, but it happened again, 2010, I'm sorry, 2000 to, that, to 2010. So what happened? So if you invested $1 in the market in 2000, you basically had that same dollar at the end of 2010. Why is that? Well, let's recap, boys and girls. We know this, the tech bubble burst in 2000. So the market was down in 2000, 2001 and 2002. Then the market started to do what it generally does and it started to bounce back and it bounced all the way back up until 2007, 2008 and we know what happened in 2008. The market was cut in half and it dropped all the way back down in 2000 and 2008. And then for the next two years, it basically worked its way back to, you guessed it, zero, that same dollar. So if you're looking at a chart, you see a lot of ups and downs. You see a lot of volatility. But if you chart a line from where the market was in 2000 to 2010, it is a flat line. That was it. And that, my friends, is what I call that lost decade. All right. So um, so how can you mitigate against that systemic risk, systematic risk? 
right? Because that's what I'm talking about here, right? When the market uh, just drops in dramatic fashion and everything drops at the same time. Well, one way is by making sure you have a principal protection plan in place. You have to have a plan for your safe assets, especially if you're getting close to retirement. The closer you get to retirement is when you should start taking more of that risk off the table. So if the market does fall at a particular time, right when you're close to retirement, you don't have to fret and worry as much. So, um, so if you wanted to retire, that example that I gave in 2010, and uh, you were 10 years away from that, you were in 2000, um, and you spoke to your financial advisor, and you talked about that 7% return, assuming that your money would double pretty much every 10 years, so you had $500,000, it would be a million dollars. The fallacy is that the market is going to move in a straight line. You're not going to average 7% each and every year, even if you want to. Even if you wanted to average 5% or whatever, um, it, it doesn't move in a, in, in a straight line. That is called linear assumption, and it's, that's not how the market works. The market is more jagged, right, up and down, up and down. It's volatile. And the key is to mitigate against that volatility, you have to make sure that you have a principal protection plan in place where you have the money that you are going to use right when you retire. That needs to be basically in cash in cash-based investments where you can't lose it. The other money that you're not going to have to touch um, until you're further down that retirement road in retirement, when you're, uh, you know, out with me taking cruises and stuff, getting, uh, you know, catching a, uh, a little cold and getting stuffy. Um, but when you're on, uh, when, when you're in retirement, you have a long, long road. And so you don't need all of your money, number one, you don't need all of your money in a principal protection program or safe, but you don't need all of your money in the market where it's at risk. There has to be a balance. Now, um, there is a general rule, which is called the rule of 100 that uh, I I talk about uh, a lot, uh, especially in our workshops, where you take the number 100 and you subtract your age and whatever's left is what you should have basically at risk in the market. So if you take the number 100 and then say you are 65 years old, um, 100 minus 65 leaves you with 35. That basically means, generally speaking, that 35% of your money should be in risk-based investments that could lose half of their value just like that, right? Now, that's a general rule. It doesn't apply to everybody. If people are more risk-averse, they would even have more that, that was safe, if somebody's more, um, they like to go to the gambling boat and they like to live life on the edge, then maybe they will have more in the market. But that's just the general rule. Now, what you have to think about is uh, the lifestyle that you are going to have in retirement. And you have to make sure that if once you retire, you're going to have a lot of expenses, then you need to have the money to pay for those expenses. So you're going to have to have probably a a greater portion of your money in investments that aren't going to be as volatile as those that could be in the market. And so that's why I always say it's good to sit down with someone, although you may think you could do it yourself, but hmm, a lot of times it doesn't work out so great, especially 
when um, we have a, a market like we had last year when people are just uh, running and, and, and scrambling trying to find uh, a good, safe investment or uh, trying to get out of the, those Bitcoin investments that they had when they were told that Bitcoin and all that funny money and the NFTs were going to be the next big thing. And no one wins in the game of I told you so. But I told you so. Need to work with some advisor, fiduciary advisor, who can guide you along that retirement path and at least help you make logical decisions, not emotion-based decisions, and that is where an advisor can kind of come in, hold your hand, and take the emotion out of your investment decisions. All right, coming up next, we are going to uh, continue down this road of uh, protecting against market loss, and uh, we may talk some taxes, maybe, maybe not. We may even answer your emails depending on time, but you're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Okay, so we got, uh, this is some Michael McDonald. Okay, did you say so? And this song is called I Keep Forgetting. All right. I love this song. (laughs) So, song came out in 1982. Okay. Number four in the U.S. All right. And a top 50 hit in the U.K. Okay. But, uh from the Doobie Brothers, by the way. Yeah, okay. I got that. What is, what is it called? Rock? Boat Rock? No. Um, it's like him. It's like the Doobie Brothers or Michael McDonald and like Rick Aston and it's like boat. Um, it's like a whole genre of, of, of this type of music. Oh. Mm. Like boat Rock or something like that anyway. I just love this song. Anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. Uh, remember, you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. Once you do that, you'll get a physical packet of information mailed free of charge to your home. That includes a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net for that retirement rescue game plan. Yacht Rock. Okay. That's what it's called, I think. Not not just a boat, you know, not, oh, not yeah, no right. pontoon boat no. or your little old bass boat. We're talking yacht yacht rock. I think is um, they have like a big definitely never heard of that. Yeah, yacht big festival rock? yacht yeah. rock and uh, sure Michael McDonald and Rick Ashton with uh, um, never gonna give you up. Uh, yeah, never yeah, gonna. yeah, yeah. See all that good oh, stuff. Sure. Good stuff. Never been, but I would uh, like to go. On a yacht? Oh, yeah. On a, on a yacht, yeah. And with uh, Mike McDonald and all the guys, uh, you know, just jamming out, you know. Getting me on the... Sounds like a good time. Getting me on the keyboard and... No, I'm just kidding. Interesting. Anyway, so um, we were talking about um, the old paradigm versus the new paradigm of, of market investing. And we talked about systematic risk, unsystematic risk, asset allocation, how to diversify, how to mitigate against a lot of those uh, risks that are inherent in the market. We talked about a principal protection program. Um, 
um, having safe assets in your port- portfolio as you get closer to retirement, um, you know, and uh, what are those safe assets? Uh, what are those things that um, are principal protected? Um, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things are out there, obviously, uh, bonds uh, with in- interest rates, <coughs> excuse me, interest rates going up, bonds are, are um, and even CDs are, are becoming pretty decent investments. Um, there's defined outcome funds, real estate investment trust, uh, secured bonds, um, indexed annuities, things of that nature. There's a lot of things out there. Make sure you're working with a good fiduciary advisor who can point you in the right direction. Um, because what you have to understand, especially when we're talking about volatility and then losing money at the wrong time, is that you know most people focus on like now. Right, right now we're in a bull market again, um, at least you know so far. We're, we're in a bull market right now. But it's not so much about the ups as it is about uh, the downs also, right? Meaning that um, everybody, uh, everyone always focuses on, hey, look how much I made. Hey, look, look at this. I'm, I'm up 10%. I'm up 15%. I'm up 25%. And that's fantastic at times, but it's not so much the ups. It's the downs that can really kick you in the butt, um, and it's something that I call the arithmetic of loss, and I talk about this in my workshops. And the arithmetic of loss basically means this. So when the market is up, everyone's happy. But remember in 2008, the market, let's say the market was down 40%, right? Um, do you know how much you need to make just to get back to even after you've lost, say, 40%? It's not 40%. The answer is 67%. And that's just to get to even, just to break even. And so that is really, you know, the big fallacy that, that I say is out there when people are talking about uh, the market and the market going back up. As a matter of fact, so the market was down about 25% last year, give or take. And so now we're in a bull market because the market is up uh, 20% from its, from its bottom. But you know what that means? That doesn't even mean that you're back to even. So everyone's celebrating this bull market, but if you go based on the arithmetic of loss, you realize that you're not even back to even if you're looking at real numbers and real dollars, right? So let's put real numbers and real dollars to this. So say that you have an investor, you have $100,000, you have $100,000 investment and you lose 50%, you lose half, it's cut in half. And now that $100,000 is what? It is now $50,000 because you lost half. It's $50,000. Now, so let's say the very next year, the market is up 50%. So you were down 50% one year, you're up 50% the next year. Most people would think, all right, I'm back to where I need to be, but that's not how it works. Just like I said, that 100000 went to 50000 If the market is up 50%, you're up 50%, but it's 50% of your 50000 So your 50000 you have a $25,000 gain, so you're just at $75,000. But wait a minute, you invested a hundred and you're still not there yet. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the arithmetic of loss, right? 
Market's down 50, market's back up 50, but your money is not there. And I haven't even thrown in the fact that emotions get kicked in, and when the market does bounce back and goes up 50%, you're not even in it because once you lost that first 50%, you were out. Sitting on the sidelines, chilling, just waiting for the market to go back up. But, but in the meantime, missing out on all the potential gains because that very next year the market jumped up that same 50%. So you didn't even get to reap the benefits of that. That's when you throw that what I call behavioral investing in the mix. It changes things up, and it changes things up dramatically. You know, and then, of course, you have Warren Buffett's rule of, you know, he, he, well, not his rule of 100, but you have Warren Buffett's the number one rule is to never lose money. And then his rule number two is to never forget rule number one. You know, but that becomes tough when uh, you're the average individual investor and you're not Warren Buffett. Because what you have to really think about is your risk tolerance, your time frame, your, your horizon, and make your decisions based on that. And... Like I said earlier, make sure you're working with a good fiduciary advisor. Have to work with someone who's going to guide you along. And like I said earlier, take the emotion out of that investing and at least put you on a path of what I like to call reason, logic. Um, If you're a Star Trek fan, use that Spock mentality. That's what we're talking about. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into an email and answer, uh, let's answer one email that we have outstanding. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. Hey, listeners, don't forget, if you have a question for Marcus, you can visit warrenwealth.net, click on the Ask Marcus button, send us your uh, question, send us your name, and we will answer it on the show. Again, go to warrenwealth.net, click on the Ask Marcus button, and send us your question. Uh, the email today is from Bob. He says, I'm considering taking money out of my IRA to pay for a condo in Florida. That sounds nice, Bob. He said, my wife and I have been retired for over five years. We have no debt. We haven't really touched our retirement savings, and we have a significant amount of money saved. He said, I'm concerned that going through the underwriting process with little income to show will be a huge headache. What are your thoughts on just paying for it from my IRA? It's only about 10% of my total IRA balance. Well, um, what was his name, Bob? Bob. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've, I've had a, a few clients who have, have um, uh, I've had this uh, similar issue or, or so. And really, you know, I, from a standpoint of, and I always liken this to <clears throat> when I'm asked the question, um, should I pay my house off? Or should I continue to have a mortgage as I enter into retirement? And, you know, if I were Dave Ramsey, you know, he's always about, uh, you know, pay off the house, no debt, all all that stuff. Um, And I take uh, a little different um, angle. Um, You know, to me, obviously, when interest rates were a lot lower, um, you know, I always believe that, you know, it it really depends on, your, um, the way that you feel about debt and the way that, that, that you feel about money. Now, financially speaking, it would, a lot of times it makes sense, especially when, when interest rates were low to just, to just have a mortgage 
let your money stay in that retirement account. This guy has an IRA and let it continue to grow. Right. Um, and then, you know, pay the mortgage because life, life retirement is about cash flow management. It's about income. The more income you have to pull from, um, that's going to make your retirement a lot, a lot easier and a lot more fruitful, uh, for lack of better terms. Now, however, then there's the whole peace of mind aspect of it. And some people just say, you know what? I like that my house is paid off. I like that I don't have a mortgage and I feel good. Um, however, when you are retired and you don't have income and Bob says you've been retired, you and your wife have been retired for over five years. Yeah. Banks and underwriting process, it stinks. Um, and it can, um, you know, be time consuming and they ask for all this documentation and you're like, you know what? I just, never mind. It's only 10% of my total IRA balance. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And in your case, Bob, um, that's something you might want to consider, especially has, especially since interest rates have creeped up. You might want to consider that because that is not a huge portion of your portfolio. I'm not sure what other bills and things you have, but you say you, you, you have most of your debt paid off. Um, and you know, you're in the, uh, prime of your life, retired, uh, ready to get another, uh, condo, another house or so in, in, in Florida and, and maybe listen to some yacht rock with my boy, um, Mike McDonald, the Eagles. Um, you know, uh, I just pulled up a, a yacht rock playlist, mm, okay. the Doobie brothers. I was talking about yeah. that Toto, you know, they're on there too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Um, yeah. Toto. And then you got, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. Okay. Um, I know you don't. I know all you, of these people. You do. I'm just Everybody. Sure you know. Yes. Yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. You no, know, Phil Earth, Collins. Fire. That's some good yacht rock stuff, folks. Okay, there we go. But, uh, but yeah, Bob, um, with interest rates, you know, creeping up there and, and it's high, and then, of course, the underwriting process, and it's not a lot of your IRA balance, that's something that you might want to consider. I would sit down again with a good fiduciary advisor or give our office a call or go to uh, warrenwealth.net and you can... Uh, talk it out but that's what i would like to do all right coming up next uh let's jump into some news you can use and news you can't use you're listening to the marcus warren show everyone knows this song, you know, it's, well, most people should. At least our listeners will because they're old. Hey. And they'll know. I know it. Seasoned, how about that? People know it. I guess so. Yeah, sure. So this is Just the Two of Us. <laughs> this is by uh, Bill Withers and um, Grover Washington. He did the music. Okay. Bill added the lyrics. Uh. And the song voice. came out in 1980. Okay. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> Number two in the U.S. and a top 40 hit in oh, the U.K. Come on, U.K. I know. Okay. Hey, we're not talking about the Wildcats either. But, um, all right. There you go. Nice song. Yeah, I like it. Very nice song. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Yeah, yacht rock. Yeah, yacht rock. More yacht rock. <laughs> The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. And you'll receive a retirement rescue game plan, which will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. 
You get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, now it is time to get into some news you can use. All right. Two of the biggest U.S. ticket sellers plan to change how they display prices to concert goers. Live Nation, Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster, Live Nation, and Seat. Well, Live Nation is a part of Ticketmaster, oh, or the other same. way around. And SeatGeek is the other one. They want to make pricing more transparent on their ticket buying platforms later this year, uh, urged on by the uh, Biden administration and uh, Taylor Swift and the Taylor Swift fiasco. Yes, that's right. That's right. And. I, I don't know if you've noticed, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably notice, when you're buying concert tickets or if you're going to a, a show or any sort of entertainment event, the price that you see is not the final price that you oh, end up paying. It's never like that. Because Sometimes, of all those extra fees that yes. they add on. Yep, you see that all the time. Hey, speaking of that, um, that's what happens with a lot of the mutual funds that, that people purchase too, yeah. you know, they mm-hmm. think, you know, that price is the price and there's a lot of internal fees that unfortunately, at least at the very end, when you're buying a Ticketmaster ticket or a StubHub ticket, at least you actually you see, see yes. what it is. Now, yeah. it's still sticker shock when it's like, I thought I was spending a hundred bucks a piece for these tickets. And then by the time you get to checkout, you know, you're thinking, all right, I've got two tickets, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. By the time you get to end, it's like $484. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the heck? How did this happen? All those fees. Yes. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I think most people don't even know they're paying fees on their mutual funds. No, even if, you even the ones know. that are even the ones that are the expense ratios that are right. shown. Anyway, those are those internal sneaky fees that they get you on those mutual funds. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, tr- transparent pricing, like you mentioned, is something that these venues have tried to talk about, or the critics have at least tried to talk about. Right. Um, but um, it, it also makes competition a little bit difficult. Like if you're trying to compare prices from one, one venue well, to another, you well, like you said, you don't know what. You're actually going to end up paying at the end. And it's not, and, and venues too. I mean, from venues, I know you're talking about concerts and things of that nature, but screw that. Um, hotels. Yes. All of these stuff. Even, That's true. even airlines now, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, you'll have a hotel room and you look at just prices. Okay, one, one, this one's 250 this one's uh, 289 this one's 340 And then the one you're like, you know what, I'm going to go with the cheaper one. I'm going to go with the one that's mm-hmm. uh, 250 right? Yeah. But... They don't include internet or there's a resort fee and then mm. there's all this other stuff. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. I could have got, you know, a, a, the, the same or a better room without having to pay all that, those extra fees. Or that was included in the price, but you didn't know that because you went with the cheaper option when the one that was $150 more had all that included. But I, you just never know. I recently stayed at a hotel in New York City and they had a $30 a night resort fee. And then they told me, oh, but you get a free $15 credit at our marketplace. And I'm like, no, I don't. You're charging me an extra thirty dollars a night. Fifteen dollars. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah extra yeah. thirty dollars and get no, you fifteen dollars. No, it actually didn't make sense. They <laughs> actually owe me some more money. Is what That's happened. Right. All right. What else? Uh, all right. Behavioral research has shows that consistently checking your four hundred one k account balance in a bull market might not be a good idea. It actually might not be a good idea in any market. Right. I know. So I mean, it's it's in a bull market. In a bull market. In a bull market. Yeah. When the market's going up. Still not a good idea. Why? Because that quick dopamine hit that you get wow. from seeing the uh, bigger balance could be habit forming and could lead you to make some more risky moves, according to behavioral economists. Um, brokerage data suggests that bull markets are also when savers seem more susceptible to develop an account checking habit. 
frequently seeing the ups and downs of the market puts people on an emotional roller coaster. And we all know what uh, emotional roller coasters do when people are making decisions about their finances. They do the wrong thing at the wrong time and they do it all the time. Yeah. You You should not check your balance each and every day, much less really even each and every month. Um, You need to just have a plan, stick to it um, because you will. When the market is up, you want to buy. When the market is down, you want to sell. And that is the opposite of what you should be doing. You should be buying low and selling high. But because of that emotional roller coaster and all those emotions that get into it, you end up doing the wrong thing. There's something that's pretty counterintuitive. It's since, frustrating too, by the since way. Ni- oh, I know. Since 1929, <laughs> the S&P 500 has posted negative total returns on 46% of the days that the markets are open. Yeah. which means 46% of the time it's down. Yep. But uh, since 1929, the market's been on a tear. It's gone up significantly. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's just feeds into, I mean, it's, it's, I've been in this business for well over 20 years now. And um, the markets have stayed the same and the behavior has stayed the same. When I say the market has stayed, the markets have stayed, stayed the same. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes, it goes down, but it's always trending upwards. And then the behaviors are always the same. People panic and uh, want to jump out when the market is down. And when the market is good, people want to get in. And I try to, and, and that's what I spend most of my time doing, not mm-hmm. really managing yeah. money and investments, it's managing my clients' emotions, and that's the most important thing because those emotional decisions are the ones that affect your financial decisions. And that's an important thing to have, you know, and it's why we see these, all these Facebook groups about retirement and investing get created is because people want advice in these times, you know, in these times when markets down or even markets up now and people are like, hey, what do you guys think? Should I jump back in? It's, it's people want that sounding, at least somebody to, to talk to and provide that guidance. And maybe right. Facebook with strangers is not the best way to go. No, might that's be the blind wiser leading to, the blind. <laughs> yeah, talk Anybody to in the Facebook groups looking for any kind of financial advice or, heck, even relationship advice. That's the blind leading the blind. Just a group of, of, of strangers who don't know your specific situation no. or are just spewing out whatever filters that they run their advice through the, you know, and sometimes very rarely are you going to get good advice. Cause what works know. for yeah, There's some one diamonds person. in the rough. Yeah. But yeah. You gotta, yeah. Or some needles in the haystack. Yeah. But you got to search and that's just, anyway, yeah. I'm just not a, a fan of that. Anyway, thank you, D, <laughs> for that uh, news you can use. And most people just, they, they, they don't feel that that's enough uh, because they really want what they came for. And that's, that's not the news you can use. Although they like it, they really love the news you can't use. Let's be honest, most news is news you can't use. True that. All right. Climate change protesters interrupted a Massachusetts State House debate in a very interesting way at around uh one o'clock in the middle of a thursday the protesters stood turned their backs to the senate chamber and lowered their pants to reveal letters that spelled out stop passing gas on their bare backsides the protesters were also all wearing pink thongs 
The eight protesters were chanting and disrupting the Senate session. Um, and after being warned that Where they was were this? Massachusetts State okay. House. Yeah, okay, Massachusetts. Warned that they were subject to arrest, they refused yeah. to leave, and they were placed under arrest and escorted right. out of the chamber. Um, before Isn't that, uh, what, what is that? Uh, indecent exposure? Correct. Yeah, or something uh, like disorderly that. conduct. Disorderly conduct. And yeah. indecent exposure. Yeah. That's what they were go. charged with. Yes, there we go. There and we're talking is. about it now, but I don't think that. It worked. Did it work? I don't think well, the senators it, did anything. Worked to with pass. the headlines. Yeah, it there bring, you go. brings attention that yeah, yeah. we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sure, but yeesh, there you go. People mooning. Well, they it wasn't a full moon because they had pink thongs on. Right? Oh, that's and, right. and were they women or were they just um, a just wide array? Probably a mixture of people. Oh, yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. People who shouldn't have pink pink thongs on. Uh, that's one person. Uh, somebody for I everybody. Betcha. Yeah, there you go. All right, what else you got? Okay, a British man was detained after climbing more than halfway up the world's fifth tallest skyscraper with only his bare hands, no harness. More than 90 emergency police and other personnel were dispatched to the 123-story tall tower in Seoul, Korea. He was halfway up? More than halfway up. The world's fifth, more than halfway up, 123 stories. What? That is... He reached the 72nd floor. Wow. Which is uh, over 1,000 feet high off the ground. Wow. And officials had to take a lift, basically, to really? get him Not inside Uber? the building. No, uh, like a gondola lift. Oh, come on. That wasn't even funny. Oh, all right. Um, and this wasn't the first time <laughs> that he did this. Uh... Well, no. It he was isn't. arrested also in 2019 after scale, scaling a skyscraper in the UK. Is there um, video? There has to be video because you're not doing it by yourself. Yeah. He has to have a GoPro. I'm sure. Or some sort of drone following him or his friend somewhere or because just spectators you have seeing to get it. that yes. on video. Yes. Like you have to get it. I need to um, YouTube that or t- yeah. TikTok it. George King Thompson is his name. George a, King Thompson? George King Thompson, yes. Not King George? No, not Thompson? King George. Okay. Uh, different George. Okay. Yeah. There we go. That's, uh, there we go. that's interesting. Said he did it in protest. He's trying to raise oh, awareness yeah. about the seriousness of climate change. <laughs> so, so, but but he's not like just the daredevil. Like, well, obviously he's a daredevil, but not, you know, how people will So that's two jump different climate change protesters. The first oh. ones who... Gre- Greta Thor- Thornburg? Who just uh, some girl who just lowered their pants in front of the Massachusetts State House. Oh, okay. okay. And then th- uh, this gentleman who's climbing a uh, hundred foot tall or a hundred story tall towers to raise awareness about climate change. Not hey. sure how hey, that um, applies. Hey, but I, I tell you what, though, people are upset. Climate change is uh, it's real, and that's just uh, the way it is. But there you go. Ah, we know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I'm going to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week. And most importantly, take it easy. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. 
Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.